Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bible to John chapter 17. Uh, We've been teaching in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. This may have been Jesus' most important group of teachings uh, while he walked here on the earth. There's probably more gospel revelation in John 14 through 17 than any other place uh, in the gospels. And Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. And he said, listen, guys, I'm going to go. But don't be afraid. And don't worry because I'm going to come again. Hallelujah. And there's a couple things I want you to know. First of all, I want you to know that I am giving you authority. And there's two things that he talks about in preparing his disciples for his departure. He talks about the power of attorney to use his name. He says in John 14, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the same works that I do, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. He says that a number of times in John 14, then also in John 16. Praise God. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus changed everything. Then he went on to say, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do. Praise God. So we have the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus to receive what redemption has paid for. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have the power of attorney. We're not just out here hoping so, maybe so, if it be so. We're taking authority in the name of Jesus to see what redemption paid for come to pass. Then he says in John chapter 15, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. You have authority in the name of Jesus to see the promises of God come to pass. He says in John chapter 15, verse 16, I love this one. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he would give it to you. Praise God. We have authority, praise God, to operate in our God-given calling and destiny. There's some things he's called us to do, appointed us to do, anointed us to do, and we can take the name of Jesus and see those things come to pass. Finally, he says this in John chapter 16, verse 23 and verse 24. In that day, talking about the day that he's been raised from the dead, the day the Holy Spirit comes, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Before now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and receive that your joy may be full. Praise God. So he's talking about the day he's raised from the dead and the day he sends the Holy Spirit. Praise God. We have power, amen, in the name of Jesus to enter into the power. We could say we have authority in the name of Jesus to enter into the power of the Holy Spirit. We have those things in the name of Jesus. The second thing that Jesus talks about in John 14, 15, and 16 is the coming Holy Spirit. He says in John 14, verse 17, the world cannot receive him, but he's with you and he shall be in you. Praise God. The Holy Spirit is going to take up residence in you. He's the present resident. How many of you are glad that you have the Holy Spirit present and he's resident on the inside of you? Praise God. He says in verse 26, 
He says, when the Holy Spirit, when the comforter, the paraclete, the one called alongside, your aid, your assistant, your intercessor, your helper, when he comes, he's going to take the things that are mine and he's going to bring to your remembrance whatever I've said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach you and bring to your remembrance what Jesus said to you. He goes on in John 15, 26, and he says, when he's come, he's going to testify of me. Praise God, he's testifying of Jesus. And finally, he says in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says it's expedient. It's very necessary for you. It's honest and it's now and it's necessary. That, that I go away because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come to you. And when he's come, he will reprove, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. The greatest sin is not believing on Jesus. Because if you don't believe on Jesus, he can't do anything about the other sins, plural, in your life. Of righteousness because I go unto my Father. The Holy Spirit convicts the world, right? This is the world. That Jesus is the righteousness of God. And that Jesus died and rose again and made righteousness available to every person who believes on him. And he says, of judgment because the prince of this world, Satan, has already been judged. Hallelujah. He's already been defeated. Praise God. Isn't that good news? Now he says in verse 12, John 16, verse 12, I have a lot of things to tell you, talking to his disciples, talking to believers, but you can't bear them. You can't understand them now. However, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to take the things that are mine and the things that are the Father's, and he's going to show them to you. He will show you things to come. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit knows the future better than we know the past. And if you'll learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will make you look smart. Hallelujah. Amen. So thank God for the Holy Spirit. You know, life is not fair. We have favor. But life is not fair. We've, we've got the Holy Spirit. We've, we've got revelation that comes from heaven. And if you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you. And he'll help you not once, not twice, not three times, but he'll help you over and over and over again. And guys, my life wouldn't be like it is if I didn't have the Holy Spirit. So I thank God for the Holy Spirit. But then in John 17, Jesus seals all of this with a prayer. He prays first of all for himself. It's okay to pray for yourself. Jesus prayed for himself. Some people think praying for yourself is selfish, but Jesus prayed for himself. If Jesus prayed for himself, I think it's okay for you to pray for you. Hallelujah. And then he prayed for his disciples. And then after that, he prayed for those of us who would believe on him through their word. Jesus prayed for you and me. He prayed for believers. Let's go to John chapter 17. Let's begin here, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Verse 20 to verse 22. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. 
that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory that you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Hallelujah. Isn't this marvelous? So let's look at Jesus' prayer and let's see how Jesus prays. Let's notice John 17, verse 1 through 5. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that your son may glorify you as you have given him power over all flesh that he would give eternal life to as many as you've given him. And this is eternal life. This is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me with your own self with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Listen, Jesus said, I came from glory. And I'm going to glory. But while I'm here, I'm going to live for the glory of the Father. Amen. Came from glory, going to glory, living for glory. Now, in the middle of that, Jesus defines eternal life. It's so important that we really understand what eternal life is. This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ which you have sent. What is the goal of the gospel? The goal of the gospel is that you would know God. And there's only one way really to know God. You know God through Christ. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death. We want to know God. Great people of faith are people who know God. People that live in victory are people who know God. I said the, last week, the goal of Christianity is not to overcome sin and overcome Satan. And the fact is you could not in your own strength overcome sin and overcome Satan. And that is why God sent Jesus to us. Jesus overcame sin and overcame Satan for you. The Bible actually says this in 1 John 4, verse 4. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For whosoever or whatsoever is born of God overcomes this world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? The Bible says that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you are born of God and that you have overcome this world. Hallelujah. So you couldn't overcome sin. You couldn't overcome Satan in your own strength, in your own power. Man could not do it, but God came in the person of Jesus and did it for you. And when you believe on Jesus, you are placed in Christ. And in Christ, you are made a world overcomer. The moment that you believe on him. Praise God. So Jesus prayed for himself. He said, listen. I came from glory. I'm going to glory, and I'm living for the glory. But 
while I'm here, I'm here to glorify you. And one reason I'm here is so that they might have life eternal. So that they might have a relationship with you. So that they might know you, the only true God. And Jesus, whom thou sent. Then after he prayed for himself, he began to pray for his disciples in verse 6. He says, I have manifested, I have revealed your name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they kept thy word. Now they've known all things whatsoever you have given me are of you. For I've given unto them the words that you gave me and they received them and have known surely that I came from you and they have believed that you did send me. So he begins to pray for his disciples. And the first thing he says is, I have manifested, I have revealed, I have demonstrated your name to, the, to these that you've gave, given me. You see, the Old Testament is a progressive revelation of who God is. And there are seven redemptive names of God in the Old Testament. The first one is found in Genesis 22, when Abraham offered up Isaac Right? Jesus said in John 8, verse 58, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And he was talking about Genesis 22. Because God spoke to Abraham, and he said, I want you to go to a mountain that I show you. And when, I, when you get there, I want you to take Isaac. Isaac represented everything that Abraham had believed God for for years. And I want you to put him on an altar, and I want you to offer him to me. And so Abraham went three days' journey. And, and he, he, when he found Mount Moriah, God said, this is the place. If you've seen the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and Israel, it's that very mount. Jesus took, or, or Abraham took Isaac and he took him up and he put him on an altar. And he bound him. And he got ready to slay him. When he was ready to slay him, I believe he was going from the west looking to the east. And he was there. He was ready to slam. He was looking at that altar. The angel of the Lord caught him by the hand. And he said, Abraham, Abraham, I have provided a ram for myself. And I believe that Abraham looked over there about a quarter mile north of Moriah. And I believe he looked over at Calvary, the hill of the school. And I believe he saw a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And he went and got that ram. And he placed that ram in the place of his son. And he said, God has provided a ram for himself. And he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And in that very first redemptive name of God. I believe that all of them are really covered. Because when we look at that offering of Isaac, it was a type of Christ. And, and as Jesus, when he was offered, paid for our sins and he paid for our healing and he paid for our peace. He paid. Provision was made. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a marvelous thing. But you go through the old covenant and there's 
These names revealed in Exodus 15, God said, I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. In Exodus 17, he said, my name is Jehovah Nisi. I am the Lord, your banner. I'm the Lord, your protector and your defender. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 8, he said, I am Jehovah Makedesh. I am the Lord who sanctifies. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 6, Gideon was out. You know, they were having some problems with the Midianites. You ever had a little problem with the Midianites? They were oppressing them, and Gideon was out hiding in a, you know, behind a tree in the back 40, just trying to make, get enough bread for his family. Me and my family, no four, my four, no more. And the angel Lord came to him and said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. What do you mean, Gideon said? I'm from the poorest of the poor. I'm a nothing and I'm a nobody. And, and the angel Lord said, Gideon, you go in this thy might. You go in the anointing that's on you, and you're going to deliver Israel like one man. How do I know this? He said, well, I want you to make a sacrifice, make an offering. He took a little bread, and he took a blood sacrifice, and he offered on a rock, and fire came out of the rock and consumed the sacrifice, and he called the name of the place Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace, and the Lord is my provision. Hallelujah. In fact, today when the Jews greet one another, they say Shalom. And when they leave one another, they say, Shalom, God's peace, God's provision, God's health, well-being, God's blessing be with you, Jehovah, Shalom. When they leave one another, they say, Shalom, they're speaking the blessing. They know the power of speaking the blessing. In Jeremiah 23 and verse 6, the Lord said, This is the name wherewith he shall be called. The Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Sidkenu. And then he went a little bit farther. In Jeremiah 33 verse 16 says, This is the name wherewith she shall be called. Speaking of the church is Jehovah Sidkenu. His righteousness has become our righteousness. And Jesus is our righteousness. Finally, in the last verse of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 48, I believe it's verse 35, he said, the name shall be called Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, everything that God was Jesus represented in Jesus, he said, I have manifested your name. I have revealed your name. John began with this in chapter 1, verse 18. No man has seen God. No man has understood or comprehended who God is, but the only begotten Son who is from the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has revealed Him. He has openly made Him known. Jesus came to put a face on the Father. He said in John 14 to Philip, Philip, have you been so long with me? And how do you say, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the living demonstration of the Father. I am God manifest in the flesh. He is the Word made flesh. It says, I have manifested thy name to the men which you gave me. I've shown them. They've known all things that you've given me or of you, and I've given them the words. How can you know God? Number one, through Jesus Number two, through the Word. 
I've given them the words which you gave me, and they've received them, but you've got a responsibility towards the word. You've got to receive it, and you've got to believe it. <laughs> they've surely known that I came from you, and they have believed that you did send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. This is really interesting. In verse 9, so many people just pray for the world, pray for the world, pray for the world, pray for the world, pray for the world. And I'm not against praying for the world. Jesus prayed for the world. But first he prayed for himself. Then he prayed for his disciples. Then he prayed for you. So many people are, go to the world, go to the world, go to the world, go to the world. And, And the Bible says, go to the world, preach the gospel to the whole world. But listen, if you don't spend time with God, and if you don't spend time with one another, all you do when you go to the world is get burnt out. That's why we have burnout Christians all around, you know, the world, because they're going to the world, going to the world, going, but they don't go to God. You go to God, and you get filled up with God, and then you, you get in a body, and you, and, and you receive strength from one another, and then you'll have strength to go. But I'm telling you, if you go to the world without going to God, and you don't have a body surrounding you, all you're going to do is get sucked you got to spend time in the presence you know the Bible talks about ministry and when it talks about ministry it talks about ministering to the Lord twice as much as it does ministering to one another in the body and then it talks about ministering to one another in the body twice as much as it does ministering to the world and you got to get ministry right side up or all you're going to do is get dried out and dead amen But if you spend time with your father and you spend time with one another and get strong, then you're going to be able to go to the world and not dry up. Praise God, not have them suck you dry. Amen? So you get strength from him. So Jesus says, I don't pray for the world, but for those which you've given me, they are mine. All of mine are yours and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Came from glory. Going to glory, living for glory. But I'm glorified in the church, I'm glorified in them. And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them through thy name. I've revealed thy name, keep them through thy name. Those you've given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. I took authority in your name. Peter. Satan has the desire to sift you, but I prayed for you, Jesus said, that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, you will strengthen the brethren. Those that you give me, I've kept it. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, except Judas Iscariot. But the scripture might be fulfilled. Now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word. Look at verse 14. And the world hated them. Just because you come into a relationship and love the word, don't think the world's going to love you. He said the world hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In fact, you know the Bible says this. I think it's 2 Timothy 3 verse 10. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen, if you never suffer any persecution, just turn up the godly a little bit. (laughs) Turn up the godly a little bit. I guarantee it works. Okay. 
Listen to what he says in verse 15. I'm not praying that you would take them out of the world. He's not wanting us to go out somewhere, you know, and just have a little commune where no, nobody from the world can get in. Right? <laughs> he says, I'm not praying that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil. And how does he keep us from the evil of the world? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, there are three agents of sanctification. The first one is the blood of Jesus. And when you believe on Jesus as your Savior, the blood of Jesus sanctifies your spirit. Go with me to Hebrews. I want to show you this, chapter 9, and we'll read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, verse 12 to verse 14, excuse me. He says that speaking of the new covenant sacrifice, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, Old Testament sacrifice, Sprinkles the unclean, sanctifies the purifying of the flesh. The Old Testament sacrifice dealt with the outward man. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to make you servants of the living God? The blood of Jesus will purge your consciousness from a performance mentality. You know what a performance mentality is? It's not only trying to keep the law, it's thinking it's about what you do. It's not about what you do, it's about what he's done. And the blood of Jesus purges your consciousness from a performance mentality. It's about how much I give, it's about how much I read, it's about how much I pray. No, it's not. And I read my Bible, and I pray, and I'm a giver, but it's not about all the things I do. It's about what he's done. And the blood of Christ purges my consciousness from a performance mentality to a grace mentality when, where I realize it's already been done. Jesus finished the work. Listen to what he goes on to say in chapter 10, verse 10 to verse 14. By the which will, by the new covenant, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. One offering for all. And every priest in the old covenant stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that point expecting his enemies to be made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected them forever that are sanctified now. I didn't write that so if you don't like it you get to heaven talk to Jesus <laughs> found out who wrote it talk to them Amen? 
That, that is one of those verses that's like amazing. By one offering, he has perfected forever them who are sanctified. By one offering. What does that word perfected? In the Greek, it's the word teleleo. It means this. To make perfect, to finish, to fulfill, to be perfect, to consecrate, to complete, to carry out, to accomplish, to bring to an end, to bring to a close by an act or an event, to finish. See, Jesus said three beautiful words in John chapter 19, verse 30. He said, it is finished. It's finished. It's done. The sacrifice has been made. So the blood of Jesus sanctifies your spirit when you're born again. In fact, you can't get any more sanctified in the realm of the spirit than the moment that you're born again. You see, there's only two kinds of people living on earth today. Those who are born of God and those who are not born of God. And I'm not the judge of that. Jesus is. Amen? But if you're born again, the blood of Jesus has sanctified your spirit. Now, not only is the blood of Jesus an agent of sanctification, the spirit of Christ is an agent of sanctification. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through verse 11. And listen what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. All kinds of sexual sin. Nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards. Nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Everybody say, I'm washed. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. That means if you were any of those things, when you get born again, you're not that anymore. That's not who you are. So you need to identify with what the Word says about you. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The blood of Jesus is an agent of sanctification. The Spirit of Christ is an agent of sanctification. And then in John 17, verse 17, Jesus says this. He prays this. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is an agent of sanctification. So there are three agents of sanctification. There are three areas of sanctification. The first area is your spirit. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now I pray God... He says, the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray to God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So your spirit is sanctified the moment that you believe on Jesus. 
Your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul is being sanctified as you renew your mind in the Word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And your body operates as a sanctification as you take authority as a believer. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the beginning part of it, he says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification for every one of you needs to know how to possess your body in sanctification and in honor. So Jesus is praying for his disciples and he says, set them apart. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And what sets us apart from the world? The blood of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, and the Word of God. Jesus says in verse 18 and 19, As you have sent me into the world, even so I've sent them into the world. And for their sake I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through thy truth. You know the scripture says Jesus was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. He says, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That they might be sanctified through the truth. When they believe the truth, they'll walk in that sanctification. So Jesus prays, first of all, for himself. Came from glory. Going to glory. Living for glory. I want them to know you. That's eternal life. Then he prays for his disciples. I've revealed, my, I've revealed you to them. Through, through your name and through your word. And I want to be glorified in them. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. Amen? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And then he prays for us. Verse 20. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one, as Father, you are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. What a joy it is to be one with the Lord. The glory that you gave me have I given them, that they may be one even as we are one. What's Jesus say? The glory that you gave me, I've given them. You know, a couple of years ago, I was praying, God, fill the church with your glory. Fill the church with your glory. Fill the church with your glory. And God said, my glory's in my people. My glory's in my people. God's inheritance is in the saints. The glory's in you. The glory that, I've, that, I, that, that you gave me, I've given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. Do you know man was created for the glory? If you go to Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 to verse 6, it says this. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have created, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? For you made him just a little lower than the angels. In the original Hebrew, you made him just a little lower than yourself. Elohim. And crowned him with glory and honor. Man was created with glory. Man was created with honor. Man was created for glory and for honor. You made him to have dominion over the work of your hands and you put all things under his feet. 
But in Romans 3, verse 23, Paul writes, All have sinned and come short of the glory. But Jesus came to restore the glory back to us. Hallelujah. And when you get born again, the glory of God is placed on the inside of you. The glory that you gave me before the foundation of the world, I gave them. Jesus came to restore you to a position of glory. Praise God. Now he says in verse 23, I, the glory you gave me, he says in verse 22, I've given them that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, I and them and you and me that they may be complete in one that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you have loved me. What a marvelous statement. He wants the world to know that God loves us just like he loved his own son, Jesus. Father, I will they also whom you have given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory. We're going to spend eternity in his presence. What's the worst thing that could happen to you as a believer? You could go be with Jesus. Which you've given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it. That the love wherewith you love me may be in them, and I in them. I want them to know your love. Now listen to Paul's prayer. In Ephesians chapter 3, in fact, I don't think there's probably a better way you can pray in a New Testament sense than what Paul prayed in the book of Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians. Ephesians 1 and 3, Philippians 1 and Colossians 1. But he says this in Ephesians 3, verse 14. He says, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Everybody say, God is my father, and I'm in his family. You know, when you understand that, that changes the way you pray. It changes the way that you think. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may take up residence in your heart by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you get established in the love of God, may be able to comprehend, to understand with all the saints what's the breadth, length, and depth, and height, to know, to come to experience the love of God. You need to get a revelation of the love of God. You need to experience the love of God for yourself which passes knowledge. It's not book learning. Somebody can't tell you about it. It's intimately, personally knowing him that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to get a revelation of the love of God that, that you would just be full of God. People that know their God are going to do exploits. People of great faith are people that know God. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, I love these words, abundantly above 
all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, I ask you really quickly, what power is working in you today as a believer? You have the power, first of all, the Word of God. You've been born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word that's living and abiding forever. You have the power, second of all, of the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 11 says the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal body. You have the power of the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. But you also have the power of the love of God. And in context, he's saying, he's saying, I want you to get a revelation of the love of God. Because if you get a revelation of the love of God, see, Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost that's given to us. He says, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that you can even ask or think according to the power of his great love that's working unto you, in you. Now, unto him be glory in the church. Unto God be glory in the church throughout all ages of the world. Amen. Came from glory. Going to glory. Living for glory. And making known his glory in the world. That's Jesus. We didn't come from glory. Amen. But when you were born again, you were born for glory. Amen? You're going to glory. We're living for, for his glory. Amen? And we want to manifest his glory to this world. Bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.